You're fat and you don't know how you feel about it. You know you want to love yourself as you are, but you find all the conversation about body stuff on social media to be really overwhelming, and you want to find a way for it to make sense for you. You sometimes hear your mother's voice in your head and all the people who made you feel like you were less than for weighing more than. You're still caught up in a lifetime of hating your body, and I get it because it fucking sucks. Here's the thing. You get to decide how you feel about your body. You are capable of liberating yourself from the opinions and expectations of others and yourself and capable of figuring out how you feel about your body on your terms. But to do that, it takes work. We're doing something different today. Today's podcast is part one of a two-part series designed to help you understand your relationship to your own fatness. We're going to talk about fat-related ideologies like fat activism and body liberation and weight stigma, and we're going to do it in plain language so that everyday people like you and me can weed through the loudest voices in the room and create the most self-loving relationship to our size that we possibly can, and in doing so, determine how we want to exist in our own body that is the most empowering for us and aligned with us and our ultimate you. We are going there. So let's fucking do it. Let's take a deep breath and let's go. Welcome to Powered by Self-Love, the podcast where we take a topic related to self-love and what it takes to live a self-loving life, and we break it down into a digestible nugget in 30 minutes or less. My name is Sarah, and I'm the author of Soul Archaeology, a totally doable strategy to creating a self-loving and liberated life. And I run live events and retreats for plus-size women old enough to remember life before the internet. Every single one of you listening to this deserves to feel loved and empowered and accepted exactly as you are right now. You also deserve to create change in your life, whatever that looks like for you, so that you can feel greater and live aligned with your values. The challenge is, how do we know what those values are? With all the talk out there, it can be really hard to filter through everyone else's opinions and slow down long enough to think about how you feel for yourself by yourself. Because it is only when we can think for ourselves, by ourselves, that we can find the paths that work the best for us. As I mentioned before, this is a two-part podcast. This is part one. You're listening to it right now. And in this episode, we're going to be focused on the ideas of fatness in society. This is fatness as it relates to our greater world. This is not about your personal journey and your personal shit, okay? What we're going to do is talk about these big ideas that you hear about fatness in the world around you and do it in an accessible way so that you can start to critically think and unpack about you feel about your body on your terms. This podcast today is going to be focused on learning and more about learning than it is self-reflection. In the second episode in this series, which is coming out next week or depending on when you're listening to it is probably out right now, we're going to get personal and we're going to start to talk about how you can do the work in your own soul archaeology 
as it relates to your weight and your fatness. And I'm going to push you to get personal and challenge you with questions because we need to do both of these things in order to think bigger and think smaller. (laughs) We've got to go big picture and little picture, societal, interpersonal, and personal. So in order to have the conversation today, I want to establish three quick ground rules because I want to acknowledge that this is a sensitive topic for many, many, many people. And just because I speak about it with a level of matter of factness, it doesn't mean that I don't recognize and truly hold in my heart that this is emotional shit for a lot of people. But in order for us to make it unemotional, we just got to talk about it in a factual way. So here are the three ground rules for today. First rule, I do not give a shit what you do with your body. Too legit to quit. Freaking MC Hammer style. I have no agenda other than to empower you to think critically about what has held you back in your own life and to figure out what the most aligned version of your ultimate you is, mind, body, and soul. I don't give a fuck if you want to lose weight. I support that. If you don't want to lose weight, I support that too. I really don't give a shit. When it comes to body stuff, what I care about is that you are honest with yourself when you think about the role that your fatness and your weight plays in finding body liberation, because body liberation is an essential part of your greater liberation in general. Rule two, there may be some things I say that rub you the wrong way. That is fine. You are totally safe. We don't have to agree with everything in order for us both to agree that bodies of all sizes are valuable. End of story. And the third rule is that none of what I am talking about today has anything to do with health ableism, or morally equating fat bodies. Size and health are two different conversations, and we are not having this conversation today. I have spent most of my life, decades, looking to other people to tell me how I should feel about myself. I graduated high school before the internet took off and before Google and Facebook. And so the people of my generation have a very specific relationship to the idea of fatness because the conversations we had about weight have nothing to do with what we see online today. We never saw plus-size people in a positive light in the media, and it was always some expose about a celebrity getting fat or like a huge diet reveal. We got Christy Alley and Rosie O'Donnell and Roseanne and Cameron Manhine and Wendy the Snapple Lady and Carney Wilson, the amazing Carney Wilson, who was totally screwed over with that stupid blazer on the beach in that fucking music video, and Oprah wheeling her cart of fat onto the stage to demonstrate her miraculous weight loss. And of course, Ricky Lake and Queen Latifah, because they were our goddesses. And if you weren't a junior size and you needed larger clothes, you wore adult clothing, boy clothes, or shopped in the dark basement corner of a department store next to the luggage. There was no internet to shop from, just local stores and paper catalogs that came in the mail, and there were no clothes, and I do mean nothing, for younger people who were heavy and cared about trends or the outfits they saw on MTV or in the pages of YM Magazine. (laughs) Or like the Delia's catalog. There's no Delia's catalog for fat chicks, I'm telling you. Your mother probably dieted in some way, and then she put you on a diet. 
And you probably knew how to color in the circles for milk and fat and bread and knew that to really please people, anyone, your parents, your friends, anyone, you had to be smaller than you were. And if you're anything like me, you spent decades believing that your body and subsequently you needed to be thin in order to be loved. Now let's flash forward to today. Social media is huge. Plus-size shoppers have endless options to what we grew up with. And the entire dialogue that we have about bodies in the media is 180 degrees away from what we are raised with. As an adult, you've probably heard about body positivity and it sounds awesome. You want to believe you are lovable exactly as you are because that's the message you've always struggled with, the one that you've always been denied. And this new generation of body-inclusive visibility and empowerment is really exciting because there are models that look like you and celebrities and you saw Lizzo perform and you could practically cry thinking about what young you would have felt like if she was able to see Lizzo twerking with the flute and being fucking awesome, and you marvel at what it must be like to grow up today and how inclusive and how much easier it must be. And you follow plus-size influencers and body-positive accounts on social media, and you love seeing it all, but you still have this feeling you can't quite quit, which is that you're not sure how you feel about being fat. The entire social conversation around fatness seems to have shifted since we were younger, and this is okay. It means there are new ideas to think about and ways that we can grow in the relationships we have to our bodies. Your life liberation is in your own hands, which means that if you want to take control of the experience you are having in your own life, you have to get back in the driver's seat of your own feelings. And it's only when we do that that we can really dive deep and do the soul archaeology that will help us cultivate our ultimate you in a self-loving life. Now, in order to do that, we've got to do a few things. First, we have to get clear when it comes to weight stuff, we've got to identify what has influenced your feelings about your body. Now, again, that's not the topic we're going to get into today, but just so you know, that you can't learn new ways of feeling about yourself until you get clear on how you have felt about yourself in the past and why you have felt the things you did. Second, you have to expose yourself to new ways of thinking, some of which may be really uncomfortable, which is what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to define a few key ideas. We're going to define diet culture, body positivity, fat liberation, fat activism, body neutrality, and body liberation. And by getting clear on these ideas, we're going to give you a framework and a language and a vocabulary to help you ask yourself the critical questions that will allow yourself to give you the critical answers. Because this is how we create self-awareness, by asking and answering. And self-awareness is self-loving. Now, I mentioned today that our time is going to be more educational than personal reflection. If you want to take notes, awesome. (laughs) But, But I'll also share more resources in the show notes and on my blog for you to dig through later because I understand that this stuff can feel really overwhelming, okay? So the first definition we're going to dig into today is probably the one that you know the best. It's the easiest to understand, which is diet culture. And the best definition of diet culture I've come across is from Chrissy Harrison, 
MPHRDCDN, and she's an established expert on the topic and author. Harrison says that diet culture is a system of belief that worships thinness and equates it to health and moral value, which means that you can spend your whole life thinking you're irreparably broken just because you don't look like the impossible thin ideal. Diet culture promotes weight loss as a means of attaining higher status, which means you feel compelled to spend a massive amount of time and energy and money trying to shrink your body. Diet culture demonizes certain ways of eating while elevating others, which means you're forced to be hypervigilant about your eating, maybe ashamed of making certain food choices, which can distract you from pleasure, purpose, power, and all those other things in life. Diet culture oppresses people who don't match up with its supposed picture of health, which can disproportionately harm women, femme, trans folk, people in larger body, people of color, persons with disabilities, and can be more instrumental in damaging both their mental and physical health. Here's the key takeaway that I want you to consider when you think about diet culture. Diet culture is a value system, and how you feel about diet culture indicates to others how you see yourself and the world around you and what you think is important and what you don't care about. It's not just one specific idea, but it's many ideas that when pulled together create an entire way of thinking and interacting with others and yourself. And when you participate in ideas of diet culture, you are saying ultimately that thinness at all costs is the most important thing that any of us can be. Let's move on to body positivity. I take it back. I, yeah, I, yeah, I know, 50-50. You, you probably think you know what body positivity is, so that's why freaking I'm so excited to talk about it. Because, again, you probably think you know what this one is, but you also probably know shit. <laughs> I'm kidding. I say that with love. Here is what most people say body positivity is, and maybe this is what you think body positivity is, and also what it has evolved into over the years, and that is self-acceptance and self-love. The idea that all bodies are valuable at every size, and it's true, they are, and all people deserve to love and accept their bodies as they are, but that is not what actual body positivity is. <clears throat> body positivity is not self-love. Body positivity is not that all bodies are beautiful. Body positivity is, at its definition, a socio-political and economic movement designed to empower marginalized bodies. It is an offshoot of the fat acceptance movements from the 1960s and 70s that gained more popularity in the 80s and was designed to empower fat bodies specifically. It is intrinsically anti-diet, which means body positivity can never include weight loss. Now, over the past decade or so, we've seen this idea of body positivity become a more mainstream idea, shifting from the empowerment of fat bodies to the empowerment of all marginalized bodies. And it then became a social media construct that was really embraced by the eating disorder recovery community, aka young, slender, cisgender white women, and evolved again into this idea that many brands have been using over the years to get you to buy shit you don't need, which is the idea that all bodies are good bodies and all bodies are worthy. When you think about body positivity, here's the key takeaway for you. Body positivity is rooted 
in social and political theory and ideology that empowers marginalized fat bodies. It is a concept that has evolved a lot over the years and now really centers the empowerment of more traditionally slender women. How the idea exists now is not necessarily bad, but when we think about it, it does run the risk of marginalizing the indigenous people for whom the idea was intended to empower. If you truly seek to empower larger bodies, if you just focus on embracing body positivity, then, as Lindsay Ashline expresses, you run the risk of ignoring the systematic issues that elevate some bodies above others in the first place. Okay, two down, a bunch left. Now we're going to do a bunch that all sound the fucking same. <laughs> like, really, truly. They're going to sound the same, but they're semantics, and it's different, and I get really excited at semantics. So just hold on, put your big girl panties on, and we're going to fucking do this. We're going to talk fat acceptance, fat activism, and fat liberation. Whew, okay. Like I said, all these things sound exactly the same. And they are related to each other. What they are is different facets of the same jewel. So think about fat empowerment being a, a faceted cut diamond. And depending on which way you look at it and depending on which spin on it and how you interact with it, you're either going to get fat acceptance fat activism, or fat liberation, okay? For the following, I want you to know that I'm mostly referring to the words and the work of Lindley Ashline, who's a prominent voice in the fat space and the creator of the Body Liberation Guide and weekly email newsletter. This is not something that I am an expert at. I'm an expert at understanding it and sharing it with you, but I did not create these words. In this instance, the best thing that I can do is make room for other people to talk. So I'm going to share a lot of what um, Ashline shares in her work. And obviously, I'll point you to that in the show notes as well. Okay, fat acceptance is the concept that fat bodies are just as worthy as thin bodies and that they should be accepted as a natural part of human variation. Fat acceptance started to rise to the presence in the 1960s and emerged on the scene in New York and California. And this initial movement is what would grow into the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance that exists today. In 1979, Judy Freespirit and Sarah Aldebaran published their Fat Liberation Manifesto in Off Our Backs, a radically feminist magazine. They wrote the following. We believe that fat people are fully entitled to human respect and recognition. We are angry at the mistreatment by commercial and sexist interests. They, these, <clears throat> excuse me, these have exploited our bodies as objects of ridicule, thereby creating an immensely profitable market selling the false promise of avoidance or relief from that ridicule. This is a mouthful. We see our struggle as allied with the struggle of other oppressed groups against classism, racism, sexism, ageism, capitalism, imperialism, and the like. Okay, so that acceptance 
is the idea that fat bodies are just as worthy as thin bodies and that they should be accepted as a natural part of human variation. We've got that. Fat activists are the people who push for change in societal, personal, and medical attitudes towards fat people. Okay? Let me repeat that. Fat activists are the people who push for change in societal, personal, and medical attitudes towards fat people. Fat activism is the action of pushing for change. Okay? So fat acceptance is the idea and the concept that fat bodies are worthy. Fat activists are the people who push for change. And fat activism is the action of pushing for change. And all of this falls under the blanket of fat liberation. And fat liberation is a social movement seeking to change anti-fat bias in social attitudes by raising an awareness among the general public about the obstacles faced by fat people experiencing the stigma of obesity. Ashline describes fat liberation as, this is really good, guys, fat liberation is the deliberate work of tearing down the systems that have created a world where fat people are denied full participation in society and life from apparel to healthcare. Now, I know a lot of that sounded very similar. So here's the key takeaway about what I want you to think about when you think about fat acceptance, fat activism, and fat liberation. All of these are about change. Fat acceptance is the idea that opinions about fat bodies need to change. Fat activists are the people who push for change. Fat activism is the actual action that creates change. And fat liberation is the larger movement that declares that change is needed in order to empower fat bodies. All right. If you need to take a deep breath and pause for a second, freaking do it. Because I know that was a lot of information. Okay. Now, while you're breathing, I just want to let you know that it's okay if the idea of activism is uncomfortable for you. I personally understand it. For example, I don't identify as a fat activist. Because although the work I do empowers larger bodies, I support the idea of weight loss, which is something that all of the things we described are vehemently against. Any idea that stems from side acceptance at their core is actively anti-diet and actively anti-weight loss. So I can't really claim or participate or be a part of any fat activism or fat acceptance or fat liberation because of that. And that's fine. I believe that there is room for all of us to exist within the greater context of personal liberation that we all deserve to experience. I cannot and will not claim these movements as my own, and I'm not a spokesperson for them. What I am is someone who can point you to really awesome spokespeople for them, people who really know their shit that you can learn from more. So if there are any ideas here that you want to learn more about, go to the show notes and go to my website, and I promise you I will point you towards more teachers that can help you explore this stuff if if it feels aligned for you. And it's cool if it does. We've got two more ideas to cover. Just two more. 
Um, but before I do that, in order for me to do that, I just need to share a little perspective for you. And I, and I, I want to tie this into why I said that ultimately I'm not a fat activist. The first words of my book, literally, when you open up the book and you start to read, say the following. This is not a book about fat self-love. This is a book about self-love. There is a difference. This is, to be precise, a book about self-love from the perspective of a woman who has been varying degrees of plus size her entire life. A fat self-love book would center my identity in the context of this book around my weight and ask you to do the same with your weight. I do not do this. Now, I share this quote with you because when we think about the ideas that we've just reviewed together, body positivity, fat acceptance, fat activism, fat liberation, these are all ideas that are about specifically fat self-love. They center experience in life around fatness. They are identity shapers. You get to decide if you want to shape your identity in life around fatness or not. I clarify this in my work all the time because for the most part, I talk very little about my size in my work. My size is not the point of my work. The point of my work is shame and self-abandonment and self-esteem and all the ways in which I have worked through these ideas. And while, yes, my weight has come into play in this journey, it's not my whole journey. It's not my whole life and my message and what I teach. Simply by acknowledging my fatness as part of my life experience makes my work size inclusive. But I don't specifically teach fat self-love. I teach self-love to people of all sizes, many of whom are fat. And that's the difference between fat acceptance, fat activism, fat liberation. These ideas are centered with weight and with body at the circle of their identity before anything else, okay? Now, let's, let's just wrap up with the last two ideas because I know I've thrown a bunch of shit at you. Body neutrality. We began the episode talking about body positivity and the idea that fat bodies are worthy of love and self-love and esteem and all that shit. The ideas we've talked about today have all required, like I just said, they require fatness as the common currency and denominator between them. They center fatness and weight around their identification and do so in a positive and value-added way. And this is fine. But if you are a person who may struggle with feelings of their size, these ideas may feel inaccessible. So what can you think about instead? If you do not identify with the idea of placing your fatness as a source of pride around your identifier and instead want to put your focus on other things, how can you participate in this process of removing yourself from the shackles of shames and definitions and expectations of other people to come up with shit for yourself? And one of these ideas is body neutrality. Neutrality. <laughs> neutrality. Body neutrality is an idea that separates size from personal value. Rather than focusing on size, Body neutrality centers our sense of self on our body's function. In an article for Time, author Jesse Nealon describes the work of Anne Poirier, who's the author of The Body Joyful, by saying that body neutrality offers a safe place to rest as you exit body hatred without putting pressure on you to somehow magically love every iota of your body and self. 
Body neutrality invites us to understand ourselves and others as whole human beings first and to form our concepts of worth and value and identity around a personal internal self instead of the external self. It helps us strip away the layers of social conditioning and telling us what different bodies mean so that we can get a clear and objective truth. That beauty and attractiveness and size can be pleasant and nice, but they can't tell you about a person's character, personality, or the kind of lifestyle and treatment that they are and that they deserve. So what we're saying when we say that, because that's a lovely fluffy quote, be good on Instagram, is that body neutrality does not require you to love your fat body. It requires that you respect it regardless of what it looks like and to respect it, not because of its size, but because it's your body and it gives you life by functioning on your behalf. So like I've done with the other definitions, I'm going to point out and highlight the key takeaway that you can consider when thinking about body neutrality. Body neutrality is about value. Whereas body positivity ties your value to your body in specific, your large body is valuable and beautiful because it is large, body neutrality removes your value from your size and the specifics of what your body looks like and puts the value on what your body can do for you. You respect your body even if you don't love what it looks like. You respect your body even if you don't necessarily admire your size. And now let's get on to the last idea for today (laughs) because we're winding down and we have covered a ton, which is my favorite idea, body liberation. Not that I should be giving you my personal feelings here. Forget that I said that while I drink water. Okay, hydration, amazing. Body liberation is my personal hope for all of you who are listening to this today. And the reason for this is because body liberation is a vital part of your greater life liberation in general. The two go hand in hand. And my absolute favorite definition of body liberation comes from Jess Baker, an amazing teacher and author. And she says that liberation is freedom from all outside expectations, even our own. Liberation is not having to love your body all the time. Liberation is not asking permission to be included in society's ideal of beauty. Liberation is bucking the concept of beauty as currency altogether. Liberation is recognizing the systematic issues that surround us and acknowledging that perhaps we're not able to fix them all on our own. Liberation is personally giving ourselves permission to live life. In short, body liberation is about detaching yourself from societal and political systems of oppression that designate certain bodies are more worthy, healthy, and desirable than others. And this is your key takeaway. This is a big takeaway. This is the big one that I want you to get. Body liberation is personal for each and every person, where fat acceptance and fat liberation and fat activism has a defined definition that comes from a sort of top-down narrative on what these things are, body liberation means that the answers to your confidence and your sense of self-appreciation are yours and only yours to give. 
Nobody can tell you if what liberates you is right or wrong because your liberation is based on your values and not anyone else's. Holy fuck, that was a lot. I just felt like I was like slipping into teacher mode. <sighs> okay. What are we going to do with all this information? What are we, we going to do with it? Because we shared a ton and the question you are probably having right now is, fuck, shit. Maybe you're not saying that because you have class. <laughs> but you're thinking, what am I supposed to do with all of this? And my answer is going to frustrate you because I actually want you to do nothing. You have learned all these ideas and all these concepts. And we've talked a lot about big words, some of which may have upset you, some of which may have piqued your interest and made you feel great. But I literally want you to do nothing right now. Because self-exploration is not about giving yourself answers and getting to answers as fast as possible. It's about understanding. And understanding usually requires time to absorb and reflect. So for now, I just want you to go about your day. And as you do, I want you to think about the following questions. Is there anything I said here that sounded really great to you? Is there anything I said that you really don't agree with? Did I say anything that make you feel uncomfortable? If so, what was it? And what did it make you feel? Did I say anything that really excited you? If so, what was it? And what did it make you feel? And that's it for today. Remember, in this episode today, we talked about fatness in terms of ideas and society. And we're doing it in order to help ourselves through a journey of personal liberation and soul archaeology. And this was one part in a two-part series. So make sure to tune in to the next episode where shit's going to get personal. <laughs> and we're going to discuss fatness as it relates to our own personal sense of self. And I want to thank you for joining me because I know this issue is meaty. I know this topic is sensitive. I know, no pun intended, it carries a lot of weight for many of you. But the more we can think about this stuff with an open mind, and objectively, from an editorial perspective, the more we can destruct it, destruct it, way to go, Sarah T, the more we can deconstruct it so that it makes sense for us on our terms. And that is what this is all about. So thank you for joining me. Again, I am sending you all my love and I will talk to you soon. Don't forget, if you're looking to explore your own self-worth, to learn how self-love can help you to live a more liberated life, and how to use soul archaeology to dig through the layers of your own shit to uncover who you truly are meant to be, check out my book. You can find Soul Archaeology, a totally doable strategy to creating a self-loving and liberated life, on Audible and Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and Target and on my website, sarahsapora.com. You can also learn about my next retreats and live events. And don't forget to follow my channel here. A new podcast will drop every Wednesday.